Welcome on in, 97.5, 1280 The Zone, DJ and PK coming at you on this Wednesday morning. What do we got? November 3rd, Thanksgiving later on this month. Some big football games for sure. We're talking football. We're talking jazz basketball. Of course we are. Well, right now, we're going to talk a little Utah football. Frank Dolce is our expert, former Utah quarterback. Let's hear from Frank. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. Hello. You know, Frank, I got an right off the top of the bat, uh, show here, uh, interview, I should say. You always hear that, uh, take what the defense gives you. Well, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I don't give them anything. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's a, uh, it is an awkward phrase in, uh, in athletics. I, I don't know of one defensive, uh, well, I mean... I guess if I guess you could say, like, um, if you're playing, let's just say, for example, you're playing Oregon State, and you know Oregon State runs the ball pretty well, then you're going to do everything you can do to stop the the run. You're going to, you know, load the box and put a bunch of people at the line of scrimmage, and you're going to be you're going to be difficult to run against but you're going to give up the pass you're going to sacrifice the passing game and say we're not going to let you run but if you beat us with the pass then you know okay we'll we'll have to live with that we're going to sell out against the run so maybe you can make an argument that the defense is giving the pass in order to stop the uh oregon state's most important phase yeah, but then that would tick me off. You're telling me that you don't think we're good enough to run the ball against you? I'll show you. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, I, I mean, generally I don't think a defense is in a position to want to give anything to an offense. So Exactly, precisely. I've always wondered that, and you're the football expert, not me. And, yeah, despite the fact they don't want to give anything. Kyle Whittingham at his weekly press conference brought up the fact that Utah's now got a string of four straight games where the offense has piled up at least 450 yards of total offense, in some cases a few more than that, obviously. Are you beginning to think of Utah as an offensive juggernaut now capable of both running and passing the ball? Well, it is a, it is a very balanced attack. I, I know that, you know, we've We've all been through these Utah football teams in the Coach Whittingham era where you just didn't have any faith in one phase of the game. Mostly it's the passing game on the offensive side. And you just had to rely on even, even – and everybody knew it. You had to rely on the run game. Even in the face of an eight-man or nine-man box, I mean, pe- people would just load up against Utah in the run game, and, and Utah still – figured out a way to run the football and um and and so those were you know those were interesting times to to watch games but it feels like now there this is a much more balanced uh much more creative it's easy to be creative i guess when you have this kind of balance but much more creative offensive football team for utah and several times in in critical situations, Utah, like like third down situations, fourth down situations, Utah's been able to convert and pick up first downs not only with the running game, 
but by utilizing the passing game and not just like throwing a screen pass or throwing the ball to the to a running back out of the backfield, but going downfield to a tight end or to a wide receiver to convert on those in those scenarios. So, I would say this this Utah offense this year has evolved into a very balanced attack, an offensive attack that you could say you could rely on both phases, the pass and the run. I have absolutely no doubt for multitude of reasons. One is that Utah's emerging, and the other is the division stinks. That my doubt is, I'm doubtless, basically, that Utah is going to win the South. I have zero doubt on this. I would bet everything that DJ owns that they're going to win the South. And that's a lot <laughs> of stuff to bet. Wow. I don't know how you put. I don't know how you take an accounting of all that stuff. I mean, exactly. That's a lot I mean, of I, stuff. yeah. I started two years ago, and I'm halfway done. Yeah. Well, you should hire a professional. Exactly. Yeah. But, precisely. Uh, Plus, he's all the stuff he's got, like in shoeboxes up in the attic. I mean, come on. He keeps stuff from the government too. Yeah. He does feel like a conspiracy sort of guy to me. No comment. <laughs> well. Uh, I, you know, I think Utah's in a very good position in the South. There's no question about it. And if Utah plays to their potential, like we saw, you know, kind of against USC and a half against Washington State and and kind of a half against Oregon State and you know, pretty good game against UCLA. If if Utah plays up to their potential. When we've seen them be be really good, then I I I think they're very. That's a that's a tough out. Like I think they can go through the rest of the schedule, and and not get beaten. Uh, but we you know it's it is still you know it's why you play the games I guess they there's there still is a team that's shown a tendency at times to not be very good at the line of scrimmage to be loose with the football and. And if those things occur, then you know Utah's going to put themselves in in a difficult situation. So, I I oh the, the other thing I hate I hate mentioning this other thing, and so I'm just going to kind of graze over it. But it, you know you, the the team has to stay healthy, especially at key in you know in key position groups. They're already they're already thin at the offensive line, and you know um, that's a that's a position group that just is going to have to stay as healthy as possible through the rest of the season. And, um, you know, I think they're, I think they're thin, significantly thin and experienced at the quarterback position. So when, when you talk about depth, so health is going to be a, a major consideration, I think, going through the rest of the year. But if Utah stays healthy, if they play up to their potential, then I think they come out of the South as well. I think they come out right on top in the South. Well, they ought to come out on top of the South because Arizona's got a massive losing streak and Colorado has only beaten Arizona and won their money game. And that leaves a Stanford team that gives up 200 yards a game to everybody who wants to run the ball. I mean, they don't give up 200 yards to USC and to Washington State because they don't want to run the ball. But SC still ran for 185 yards. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out, aside from the turnovers, how Utah could screw up this game. And you turn it over four times, you can lose to anybody. Yeah. So that's there. But aside from that... Everybody's running for 200 yards on Stanford if they just try. And Utah's obviously going to try. Yes. Well, I mean, didn't didn't we just see 
uh, Arizona State do that? Like, we, we thought Arizona State was going to be a pretty good football team, and then all of a sudden they're – did they have four or five turnovers in that game? I mean, they're, they're – which, which quarter? <laughs> yeah, that's just the thing. That is exactly the thing. I mean, you, you go into these football games, and um, and if all goes right, if all goes well, then you know you should you shouldn't have a problem. You shouldn't you should come out on top. And then and then three three turnovers later, four turnovers later, you're on the wrong side of it. So you know, I don't I don't see that. I don't expect that to happen. I don't see that happening, but. It sure seems to come out at odd times in the, in the football season, especially in the in the Pac-12. So, I I I'm with you. Like I I'm I'm I have high expectations of Utah football right now, based on the, what they've done, especially on the offensive side. Uh, I still am curious about you know if a team really wants to line up and try and run the ball against Utah, how what kind of success they're going to have. So so that's a, that's something to consider, but. I th- this is a football team that that has a legitimate shot going through the rest of the year without taking a loss, going you know winning the South, going into the championship game. There's I don't think there's any question about that. The only question is if they can maintain this high level of play um, on a regular basis. I mean, they, you might have a bad quarter, a bad series, whatever here and there. If they can ma- maintain possession of the football and most importantly, if they can stay healthy, I think that's I think that's a real critical issue. I dare you to refute the following statement: Cam Rising is the best quarterback in a Pac-12. Let me. I'm thinking over all of the quarterbacks in the Pac-12. Well, we know he's better so, than Charlie Brewer. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, I would put him right at the top. I mean, I think there are guys who have high potential. In the Pac-12, I like Garbers. Uh, I like both Garbers. That you know, that's interesting. I like both Garbers. I like the Garbers at Cal. I think he's. I think he's very good. Although he's been, you know, a roller coaster ride this year. But I think he, his upside is very good. I like the Garbers we just saw at UCLA. In fact, I might even make the argument that in some ways that UCLA offense is more efficient with Garbers <laughs> at the quarterback position. So. Um, I I like Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think he's you know he's very athletic. He does a lot of things really well, and he's you know he's a he's a he's a tough guy. Uh, I've never been high on him w- winning a lot of football games, like being able to rely on him to win a lot of football games. So I I don't put I wouldn't put him even healthy at the top. Um, Jaden Daniels. Uh, I think he has. I, I think I'd put him kind of in the same class as Thompson Robinson. Uh, Brown at Oregon is the same kind of guy, like high, very high potential, but um, it it's streaky. Um, so as I'm looking at the kid at Stanford, I think he's above average. Too young. I think he's he's young. Yeah, I think he's above average. Uh, as I yeah, as I guess as I look across, you know, at the uh, the the kid Nolan at uh, Oregon State. What about Jaden um, Delora at Washington State? That's what we're building up to. And Jaden Delora, he's he was the last guy I was going to get to, but I think Jaden Delora is probably the the top, um, and he's 
seems to become become has become more consistent. So I think I would put those two those two guys, Delora and Cam Rising, as my one and two in the in the Pac-12 right now. Cam Rising has been super. I think he's been super consistent. Well, wow, he's rising consistent. up the rankings. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. And and I don't like. There have been people who are talking about like. Well, he's a, you know he's a game manager and he only completes he only threw the ball twenty something times against UCLA and this and that. And I don't I don't buy into any of that stuff. I mean, efficiency is efficiency at the quarterback position, and Utah did have the run game going, and so they should lean on the running game. And then they just used the passing game perfectly to keep UCLA off balance. So, I mean, I don't think a quarterback has to throw the ball thirty five times a game. Um, in order to be considered a top-tier quarterback. If your quarterback is completing 65-plus percent of his passes, no turnovers, moving the ball downfield, and utilizing a great running game, I don't know why you wouldn't put that quarterback right on. I mean, that's a, to me, that's kind of exactly the guy you want, is that guy who's going to make those kinds of plays and be very consistent. You got any doubts about the defense now? Yeah, I mean, I like this. I like this defense, and at times I think the defense is real has been really, really good. But there are times when you just scratch your head. Like Utah knew what they had to do defensively against Oregon State. Everybody knows what you have to do defensively against Oregon State, and so you knew that. You practiced for it. You prepared for it. Everybody had their assignments, and then you went into the game, and then you just couldn't do it. So that's, I think that's a concern. And uh, I, I think, to me, that is, is more of, like, like, not a physical ability issue. Um, it was more of an issue of experience, like being able to go back into your bag of game experience and figure out how to turn the tide on a team that is just, beating you up at the line of scrimmage. And that's what happened with Utah against Oregon State. They got beaten up at the line of scrimmage in the run game. And so, you know, a more experienced team might be able to, to say, wait a second, wait a second, if, we, if, I'm, if I can do this, if I can just do this, then I can, I can stop the bleeding. But they never, you know, they, they never were able to do that. And so... With a team that's very talented, but at times has, you know, eight underclassmen, mostly freshmen, on the field, I think that experience is a big factor. So the Oregon State game was good, like, in, in terms of gaining that experience. I think Utah utilized that against UCLA, uh, and we'll see how they, how they go through the rest of the season. But, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, we're only, we're only two weeks out from a – from a ground attack at Oregon State that was overwhelming. And so has, you, has Utah corrected all those issues in the run game? Maybe, hopefully. Or the, you know, the, the other thing is they're not going to face another running team like, like uh, Oregon State. And maybe UCLA was going to be as close as they were going to get, and they handled that pretty well. So, but, yeah, I still, I still think there are question marks about this Utah football team defensively. That was Frank Adolce. Having some fun with him as he gives us his thoughts on the Utes on their march to the Rose Bowl. Uh, I think it's possible. 
Maybe just uh, the South Division. Uh, probably going to play Oregon. Oregon, number four in a college football playoff. Maybe Oregon goes to the playoff and the Utes go to the Rose Bowl. We shall see how it all unfolds over the course of the next month here in November. All right, equal time for sure. Coming up next, we'll hear from BYU defensive coordinator Eliza Tuiaki. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Aggies, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. The Aggies take a break from Mountain West Conference play for a trip to New Mexico for a showdown against New Mexico State. Catch all the play-by-play action this Saturday, beginning with the Aggie pregame show at 1. From Monday morning to all the play-by-play action, nobody brings you better coverage of Aggie football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. Thanks for joining us, DJ and PK. I'm PK on this Wednesday morning. Got to hear from BYU defensive coordinator Eliza Tuiaki, that BYU defense. I keep wanting to say Utah. He did coach at Utah for a while. But that BYU defense, which was not very good in the first half against Virginia, did very well in the second half against Virginia. Now, this week, it doesn't matter. They got Idaho State. Then they got Georgia Southern. Did you see Georgia Southern? Got Clay Helton going to be the coach. So the Cougars going to face Clay Helton. Either way, he would have been the coach of uh, USC, but he got fired. They play them after the bye Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, Clay Helton's going to be with the team. Not sure he's going to do on-field coaching, but he's going to get his staff, staff set up for next season. That's for sure. And so the Utes or the Cougars play Georgia Southern in a couple of weeks. But right now, let's hear from BYU defensive coordinator Eliza Tuiaki. Hey, Eliza. BYU's ranked 15th in the inaugural uh, college football playoff rankings. What's uh, the reaction of yourself and the coaching staff to that? So that uh, just come out? Yeah, it just came out within the oh. hour. Oh, shoot. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's good. <laughs> I'm uh, still, still kind of processing it. I don't know exactly what that means. But, uh, you know, obviously getting any kind of attention for the, for the program and the kids is, is a good thing. I think generally it's a pretty good sign of respect for who you guys have beaten this year and the schedule you've played. Uh, where last year you were 14 in the first one and you were 9-0, um, that's pretty good, I guess is what I'm saying. Right, right. Yeah, no, no doubt. I, I'm, uh, yeah, Like I said, I'm still kind of just thinking about what that really means and, and uh, you know, got, got a lot on our mind as far as preparing for this next week and, but uh, no, I'm you know, obviously happy for the program and the, and the kids and the players. Speaking of this week, what's your defensive player injury situation look like? Are you going to be get some guys back? Or are you still going to be really short-handed? Uh, we've, we've still got uh, – we're still banged up, you know, this, uh, this late into the year with uh, not having a bye yet. It's, uh, you know, guys get dinged up and, and you get them back when you can get them back. And, and uh, you know, we've got, we've got a, lot of, a lot of guys that are stepping up and they're doing a good job and, and playing hard and, and uh, sacrificing a lot, you know, in order for us to, to win, uh, win these games. And so we'll just continue on with, with who we've got and the guys that are, that are practicing. And, and uh, when guys get back, we'll, we'll get them back and keep rolling. 
How much are walk-ons contributing to the defense this year? Seems like a lot. I know we're going to talk to a couple here in a minute. Uh, seems like more than usual even. Yeah, no, the, the, the walk-on program, I mean, here at BYU has been it's just been a been a proud, proud program. I mean, you just go through and and think about, I mean, just off the top of my head, uh, you know, your Chad Lewis's and, you know, Ziggy Ansah's and um, it was the tight end that played with the Ravens, you know, before I got here. I mean, there's just uh, Ben Cahoon's, another one. There's just so many, so many, so many guys through the years of uh, coming and made an impact, uh, guys that – that uh, have always wanted to play at BYU and <clears throat> maybe a little under recruited and just just passed by and and uh, you know took the the harder route which is the walk on route and made an impact and you know earned scholarships and gone on to seal their legacy and their names or you know jerseys and all that stuff are all over the place and they're in videos and the old videos of just a lot of BYU success and so that'll continue to be the thing I know uh, Kalani's uh, always been a huge proponent of just getting getting good quality walk-ons of guys that uh, have earned their way that have um, you know contributed and then obviously just with uh, the way that the walk-ons are being taken care of with the new nil deal i mean it's huge for us to get guys that are that are coming in and and uh contributing it's it's really you know it's almost like getting 100 and 123 kids on scholarship really is what it is and so just the, the quality of player that we're getting just the walk-ons that are they're coming and doing a good job or uh, you know, it's it's not you're not really talking scholarship and walk-ons. You're really talking about just contributors um, for all, throughout the whole roster. Next, we'll take questions from Jake Hatch and then Dave McCann. Yeah, Lisa, just kind of building off that for a moment. Is that a, something you guys have used on the recruiting trail to this point, saying, "Hey, we, we, you may be coming here as a walk-on, but you do have this built bar name, image, and likeness agreement that could help defray the costs." Yep. Yep. For sure. I mean, you know, when you ask somebody to walk on, obviously it's, uh, um, you know, uh, kids, kids, and I, and for right reason equate, um, you know, a scholarship with how badly you want me. And, and sometimes it's not, not always the case. Sometimes it's just the numbers and how they fit. You don't exactly have one. And so talking to kids and trying to get them, convincing them to come, um, you know, there is a lot of value in, in, in a welcome year to, to, to have a career where you're saying you're playing all these big time teams and you know, what we get them as far as supplements and just gear and the way you travel, even, you know, I, I, I played at a, a lower division where, where we bust to Vegas, you know, that was back in the day. We bust to Vegas from Southern Utah to, to go and travel. And so just, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot more value that's maybe hidden for, for walk-ons, but this built bar deal is uh, just taking it to a new level. And, and I think, I think that's why, um, you look at uh, your roster, 123 players. It's it's no longer just 85 scholarship players, but you're you're getting the, the quality of uh, 123 scholarship uh, kids on the team. Let me venture back to Saturday night for a moment. Uh, Kalani said in post game that you guys went to the locker room and it was your suggestion to go to the rush three drop eight scheme to adjust at halftime. What made you think that would be effective in that game? It was, uh, you know, it was uh, really talked about as, as a whole staff. I mean, it was, uh, there's a lot of, when you're, when you're, you're playing like that, you know, in the second quarter and we're trying to find answers and trying not to panic and, and trying to find ways to, uh, to stop them. It's really just, um, what have we practiced? What, you know, what did players know? What, uh, 
you know, what, what might help out and what, what might work. And, and it goes around and around as far as just who suggests what, and I may be getting credit for that, but uh, it's, you know, all, the whole staff uh, as a whole, uh, secondary coaches and, you know, linebacker coach, everybody, they're all involved with the decision. And obviously, Kalani, I mean, we lean heavily on him with all his knowledge and, and what he does. And I know he's giving me credit for that, but it's, uh, that's, a, that's a staff thing that uh, we all decided and ended up working out for us. All right, that was Eliza Tuiaki, BYU defensive coordinator. Coming up next, we're going to get you the Jazz post game like we do after every game that the Jazz play. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. After a battle against Bronco Mendenhall in Virginia, the Cougars finally get a week off from Power 5 opponents as they welcome in Idaho State to Provo. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Cougar pregame show Saturday at 1230 with a postgame show immediately following the game. From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. Welcome on in. 97.5 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK on this Wednesday morning. Jazz with a nice win last night. 119 to 113 over the Sacramento Kings. Give the Kings credit. They battled the Jazz right to the end. Jazz finally pulling away behind the offensive explosion of the backcourt. Donovan Mitchell with 36. Mike Conley with 30. Bogdanovich with 20. Uh, Yeah, Jordan Clarkson can't hit a three to save his life. Jordan, how many three-pointers are you going to miss in a row? Uh, Yeah, a lot. Uh, You remember that comment on Channel 2. Just having fun with that. Clarkson, man, one for 13. Absolutely pathetic. But the good news is... Eventually, he'll start making buckets, and the Jazz are winning. They move to 6-1, and 3-0 at home, and they beat Sacramento. Now they go on the road for a three-game road trip. Let's get with Jake Scott. He's going to give us the lowdown on what the Jazz had to stay, say after the ball game right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jazz win last night, 119-113 over the Sacramento Kings. Big night uh, from uh, the backcourt. Donovan Mitchell, 36 points. He had eight boards, six assists as well. Mike Conley with 30 points. Uh, and uh, Rudy Gobert, 12 points, 20 rebounds, and four block shots. Bogdanovich had a 20. Hassan Whiteside had nine points and 12 boards coming in off the bench. So hard-fought victory for the Jazz, but they get a win over the Sacramento Kings. Let's get to some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Donovan Mitchell's performance tonight. I thought he was really precise with the ball, um, meaning create space. Um you know, hit gaps when they were open. I thought, you know, it, it, no one makes like the right play every time. But he made he made the right play a lot of times. And you know, when our team, you know, there's a, a lot to be said about if, if we make some more shots, we have some more assists. So um, I think the more that you know, the more that we attack and attack the rim you know, we'll keep generating, you know, opportunities. And I thought, you know, particularly when he was getting pressured, he did a really good job of attacking the rim. And then he also did a good job, you know, allowing our bigs 
you know, Rudy Hassan to, to get hits on screens to free himself up for some, you know, some off the dribble threes, but um, really good night for Donovan. You some really big offensive rebounds as well. What's the philosophy on that, I guess? With the yeah, to be honest with you, that as much as anything just shows, you know, an engagement um, that, that when there's opportunities, we want to be aggressive. You know, and it doesn't matter who it is if you're quick to the ball. You know, those are the same ones that if you're giving up, um, you know, they really, they're, they're daggers to your defense. And we, we want those daggers to be on the offensive end. So, you know, Rudy gets, people put bodies on Rudy. They commit one, two to him. So sometimes there's opportunities to get in there and make plays. Is there something Rudy's doing differently that's allowing him to average, you know, 18 rebounds a game or two? You know, we, we've continued to try to evolve to maximize how we use Rudy from a schematic standpoint where, you know, certain things that, you know, maybe where adjustments for games gradually become more and more of um, a standard defense. You know, I think I've said it before, his ability to to make multiple plays, you know, he gets back in the play. And, you know, he's so long that if there's something in the vicinity, he's going to get it. The, the challenge for us is not to, um, you know, just expect him to get it because that's when some of those ones that bounce along we don't get. But, you know, obviously – um, you know, that's something that he, he's been, he's been dominant in controlling the defense. We, we actually haven't defensive rebounded really well the first few games. Um, and that, that's collective as much as anything. So the numbers jump out, obviously, when he gets 20, um, you know, and then he did his best Magic Johnson impression at the end of the quarter. <laughs> so. concerted effort to get into the lane, into the basket. Your first 20 points were all points in the paint. I mean, you weren't making your we're, either. Yeah, we're, we're you know, I, th I think – I don't want to stop shooting, you know, because I think the minute you do, you stop that, those are the two you don't take that go in and bump the game open. And I was really um, – I was glad we, we stayed aggressive because I, I do believe if we pass up those shots, as I've said, that, you know, the, the percentage or probability of us getting something better goes down. Um, that said, you know, when we do drive, I think one of the things that we need to improve on, um, you know, is, is when we get in the lane and we don't have anything, you know, being able to play off two feet. And, and a lot of times when we've gotten that, we, we have guys on the perimeter that aren't respacing to, to create passing lanes. So there's some things there that, that we can do better that, that help balance the threes. You know, we want to take good ones, um, you know, the ones in transition are generally good ones by definition for us um, because, again, the defense isn't set. We have a chance to rebound them, um, you know, if everybody's running. But striking a balance there, you know, it's hard to look at a box score. And, you know, J.C. tonight's going to look and say he didn't make one. Um, but he did get in the paint and make a big bucket. And, you know, the thing about our guys is I think they'll watch the film and – you know, they'll see those opportunities and opportunities to make plays for other people. And that, that's really what we want. Yeah. You know, I think particularly when, when Donovan, you know, is exerting as much energy as he is because, you know, I, you know th those two guys defensively have really taken it. You know, they, they've taken it, taken a step, you know, they've raised their level. 
And I think it becomes even more important for them to feel the game offensively. Um, and you know, th there's some things that we do that give them the opportunity to, uh, to make those decisions on the fly on the court based on matchups or if one guy's got it going a little bit or another guy's a little tired. So you know, that, that's the definition of a backcourt. You know, and I think, you know, Mike's our point guard, so to speak, but um, Donovan plays the point. And, you know, I, I just think of them as a backcourt. I saw him have that moment where he kind of had the big block and then played for the crowd a little bit. How much does his personality kind of just mesh with the team and just help the team? I mean, anytime you have a player that plays with passion, you know, and that, that's it's indicative of the fact that he cares, you know, and, and I think guys – you know, that, that emotion and that energy can feed a team. And, you know, whether it's him, you know, making a physical play in the lane like he did the other night, um, making a block, being excited about a play, everybody, you know, it raises everybody's level. It happened the other night with JC um, against Milwaukee. There was two or three possessions where he just, his intensity defensively was at such a high level. And, you know, you, you see everybody's level go up. So, um, you know, anytime you add emotion, to competitiveness, you know, that's rocket fuel. Going back to Mike for a second, I guess it's not surprising, but maybe do you, do you kind of marvel at the fact that you've got a guy who's been in the league for 14 years that's playing with the wisdom of 14 years, but it looks like, you know, and sometimes he rewinds the clock, he looks like he's 25 again. Well, he's, he's, he's one of those, you know, unique. I don't, I don't know that. I've said to him, I, I don't know if the, I'm trying to think of something that he probably wouldn't be good at. Like, I think he'd be a great cornerback. I think he probably could, you know, be a heck of a tennis player. I'm, I, I'm sure he's a good bowler. Um, you, you go down the line. We all know he can golf. Um, you know, he can kind of pick a position on the baseball field, I think. So it's not surprising that he's doing what he's doing. That happens when you you can switch it too, I suppose. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder after his team wins one nineteen to one thirteen. Let's now get to the players. Let's hear from Mike Conley. No, I think it was one of those games where, um, you know, me and Don had it going, and and as far as the rest of the team, we just were missing shots we normally make, and in those moments, you just kind of have to go with uh, what's working and. Um, we got into pick and roll situations. I just tried to be aggressive. Don tried to be aggressive. Boyan, JC, and um, get to spots where we can make plays. And it's basically what I try to do when, um, you know, Don got the rest a little bit. With you and Don, how do you know, how do you see you know when to kind of take over and then kind of you know, let the other person do their thing? Well, you know, some, me and Don kind of have a nonverbal communication. He looks up at me and he's like, like hands on his knee, tired. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll take the ball for a few possessions. And um, that's kind of like what we've done over the, over the past. And tonight was no different. I imagine that you guys have raised your defensive level through these first seven games. And I'm curious what you're saying from both you and Donovan on that point. Well, I think, you know, we've made it a point, especially from our perimeters, to try to be better. You know, each game try to um, take some from, from – you know, what we've learned from past seasons and playoffs and, and, and use that to, to get better in each, in each situation. And tonight, um, and basically every night we've played against some quick guards and <clears throat> young guards who get up and down. And um, for us, it's trying to stay in front, trying to make it tough on them and easier on Rudy and Hassan. And hopefully we're, we're getting better at it. And, um, 
you know, make our team defense a little bit better. How has playing with Hassan been so far? Hassan's been great. No, he's been great. He's He brings a different energy. I think you can hear him. Um, his voice kind of echoes throughout the locker room. When he's on the court. Um, guys love him. Been a great teammate. So uh, I think he's just been perfect for us. <clears throat> Yeah, um, he's quick to let his emotions take over in games and it can be good and bad at sometimes, but mostly good for us. And um, it's something that I think that, that, you know, in past seasons, we've needed that uh, a guy that, you know, comes in with a different energy who can change games. He might foul real hard. He might make a mistake here or there, but he's going to 95% of the time do the right thing. And, and even when he does something that that's, you know, like, you know, like trying to question it or something like that, it's, you know, it gets everybody going. It's still, it's still a good thing. If he gets a tech, it's a good thing. We're going to, we're going to rile the team up a little bit. So um, he's been, he's been really good in that role. Quinn mentioned that he didn't think there was anything you weren't good at. So I'm going to ask, is there anything you're not good at? <laughs> you went through all the sports and so baseball. I'm a humble dude, but I guess I can answer that. I have no comment on that. I, don't, <laughs> I have to find that sport. You know, when you're going against some of these young guards that like you were talking about, no, um, I think every night was, you know, a blessing for me is as I've gotten older, I had to prepare differently. Um, knowing I'm playing against De'Aaron Fox, you know, Mitchell, uh, Trey Young, you know, Kyle Lowry, all these guys coming up. Um, I prepare mentally and physically different than I did when I was, you know, 21, 22. Um, so it challenges me, you know, it keeps me, keeps me young. It keeps me moving. And, um, man, I want to show that I can still play at a very, very high level in this league. And, um, my teammates have confidence in me, so I'm just going to continue to, to be there for them. And in any way I can, you know, be there. Uh, yeah, he's uh, a little bit more pumped when we play Sac Sacramento than probably any other team. And, you know, he was the last guy in the locker room after the game. And you can hear him yelling down the hallway. I don't know if y'all heard him, but um, he was just, you know, let's go. You know, he was really excited. And, um, you know, he, he is special to play against, you know, Sacramento and all the history he's, he's had there and all the time he spent there. So uh, we're happy to get the win uh, for him tonight. There's Mike Conley. Big night for Mike. 11 of 19, shooting 30 points, two assists, and three rebounds. Let's now hear from Hassan Whiteside. Your personality on the court is contagious. Like in certain plays, you get fired up. Other guys get fired up, or you get angry about something. They get angry about that too. Um. Yeah. Now I think about it. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about it, but um, you're probably right. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I think so. But you're not thinking about it, like, oh, I'm gonna fire the team up. It's like you personally in the moment, you're like reacting to things. Just yeah. Like now, like think about it. It was getting kind of fired up. Like when we was getting in, then we got some stops. That was a great game, you know. Um. 
because it started getting real close at the end, you know, and uh, we got some key stops. You know, we made some big plays, you know, and I think that really shows guts. Finger rag too. Yeah, I like that. You know, I, they took like three three of them. They called like fouls on the last three, and I had to – and HB's my guy. So, um, those guys is like – that locker room, them guys, I, 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 those would be like lifetime friends, you know. And um, Harrison Barnes is one of my favorite favorite teammates all the time. And um, and just blocking him, you know, I'm going I'm to send him a text and just mess with him. I love it. Given that, do you want to win that game more, or like, where does it stack up? Uh, it's just like I don't. I you always want to win all the games, you know. But it's it's different when you playing your friends, you know, guys that you play with, and um, you know, you talking a little trash out there. And um, for me, I want to win every game, but you know, I just know them guys. I know their personalities, you know. Um, so it, it's even more funny. Um, obviously, you spent the first couple of years in the league in Sacramento, and then last year as well, mm-hmm. like. And Conley was there saying that it seems like you kind of get a little bit more fired up, a little more emotional when you play Sacramento. Um, what is it about that place in your career that's special that kind of gets you up a little bit more, maybe when you when you play against them? Um, you know, I, I always like hate that. Um, you know, I missed so much time in Sacramento. Even my my rookie year, I had torn my own patella tendon, and then I had a really bad ankle sprain that put me out pretty much for the whole season. And then last year. Um, I had COVID, so I had missed, and it was already a short season, and just going through up and down injuries, you know. Um, so it, it was, it was. I never felt like I actually got to show what I can do in Sacramento. I, that's always one of those places where I, I always felt like I never got to show Hassan White side there, and I, I felt like I got to show it in Miami and Portland, and but I never did in Sacramento. You've been in the league a while, and you've seen Mike Conley yeah. from Grit and Grind Days. And yeah. When On a night like tonight, when you're watching what he's doing out there, mm-hmm. I mean, is it hard to believe that He's been in the league 14 years, and he's still up doing the same. Yeah, you know, um, I was on I was on a training camp trying to make the training camp roster when he was on the Grizzlies. So, um, you know, I got to see I got to see and um, meet Mike back in 2013, and um, and you know, he he's one of them guys that unless you like, if you're a casual NBA fan, 20 years from now, you not you might not know who he is, but people that really know basketball are gonna be like, nah, Mike Conley was like one of the most underrated basketball players of all time, especially in my eyes. And uh, me and Rudy Gay, we talk about it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like Unbelievable. Those at all? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I tell him I blocked the shot a couple of times. You know, he might not want to admit to that, but, you know. There's Hassan Whiteside going up against his old team last night. He had nine points, 12 rebounds. He also added a block shot. Let's wrap up the player sound with Donovan Mitchell. Offensive end, being able to find guys, do what I do, and, you know, being able to, to hit shots that I've missed in previous games. I think that's for starters. I couldn't hit a catch and shoot shot. I think that makes sense for the life of me. So just being able to continue, just take the shots I've been continuously taking in the previous games and now they're starting to go in a little bit, but just being able to do that, find guys, but defensively just competing, making it tough on guys. And that's really where I'm putting a lot of, you know, focus, you know, is being able to do that, execute. And it's not even necessarily just on ball, being in a stance, being ready, being the help side, getting on on the glass, making it, you know, just tough on my matchup, whoever it may be. So I'm trying to be a leader in, in every facet uh, of the game. Can you tell us what happened at the end of the second quarter? Yeah, I just rolled it. And, you know, it's like a normal thing if you roll it. But I rolled my ankle. It's not because of, 
you know, what happened last year, although it was the same foot, you know, and it was just like in a moment where I was frustrated, I didn't get a call, and it's like, I feel like I got hit and feel like I rolled it again. There was just so much going on, and then I was like, man, this, you know, kind of hurts, so I ran to the back just to make sure I was okay, um, as opposed to sitting there and doing it in front of everybody. I referred to you and Mike as like a true backcourt. Mm-hmm. For you, just what does it mean to have another guy who also is a backcourt? If you take that scoring punch off when you got your hands on your knees, like Mike said. Uh, yeah, um, you know, being able just to have a guy who who knows the game, thinks the game, understands things. You know, be, even just being a decoy. You know, if you're if you're tired and kind of being in the action, but making sure it's for he's able to get downhill and vice versa. Um, just being able to kind of play off each other in that way, and that just comes with reps and being able to do it in games and being in situations like like this. Where I can't tell you how many times we've been in, you know, close games and you know games where shots are in form of being able to execute. You know, being able to do that and just thinking the game. You know, and it helps when you have a 15 year veteran. You know, to say here you you got it and I'll I'll stand out the way. You mentioned the shots not falling as much this season. Has the ball played any role in that? I was waiting for one of y'all to ask this. Um, <laughs> honestly, I didn't think about it. You know, I, I really haven't. You know, I think for me, I'm getting looks that I, I and I'm not going to sit here and say because I'm shooting whatever percent that it's it's the ball. You know, that's not who I am, and I'll figure it out. I'm continuing to get better and better um, as the season progresses. Um, we, we've had a long year as a as a league. You know, like I think that's people seem to ignore that, but you know, it, it is what it is. And guys, you see, we're, we're starting to progress and get better, but I can't say, oh, you know, it's because of the ball. It's different. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's a different feel, different texture, but I've been using it all summer, so I can't, you know, I've been making shots all summer, so I can't say now that I'm missing that it's that. How is it different? I think the feel, you know, the, the feel of it for sure for me is just the, the, the biggest thing. But like I said, you know, you take enough reps, you know, I had to change the basketball from college to the NBA my first year. Like, I've, it's, it's basketball, you know, and you figure it out as, as the game goes. But, you know, it's it's definitely a different feel than the um, than the uh, Spalding Spalding one. What's the process when you go back into the tunnel? You just see the trainer move around a little. Yeah, bit to make sure I'm okay. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing to make sure it's not because you, you you have to balance adrenaline, you know, versus like serious like the seriousness of it. You know, you have to make sure. So kind of being able to. Fortunately, but unfortunately, I've had experience with this ankle, so I try. I know how to separate, you know, that and being able to be like, okay, like I'm good. It's not like not just get me back out there. You know what I mean? And being able to sit there. That's why I waited the whole half. You know, that way I could have a proper thought process as opposed to just running back out there and either doing it again or just kind of just being out there just to be out there. You have raised your defensive level a little bit this year. I mean, have you, are you feeling that physically yet, or not? Um, no, I mean, like I said, uh, at the beginning of the year, I put myself in continuously rigorous situations over the summer so I can be able to do this. You know, I think now it's more of a mindset. You know, I think I've been able to do this and capable, you know, throughout my career. I think more, it's more of a mindset, you know, more of a attention to detail more than anything, because, you know, it's not necessarily always about effort. You know, you think defense is like, oh, it's a lot of work back and forth, but a lot of it is just putting yourself in situations where you're not playing catch up, you know, also goes into film work, you know, knowing the place come before it gets there as opposed to to just being surprised um, kind of before every game, you know, memorizing, you know, each each group and it's fortunate there's only 30 teams so you get to know the plays over and over again so you're able to understand where guys are going to be, where guys want to be. So you put yourselves in situations that make it easier as opposed to you just trying to figure out how to, oh man, I'm reacting to them as a, you're in that situation and it makes it easier for yourself. What is, what is the level of fun that this can pass around his staff to make a <laughs> That man, I, I, I love Hassan, man. He's, 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 uh, 
he's just like George. You know, George always never had a bad day. You know, never had a bad day. And shout out to George. He hooped the other night. And I was happy for him play well. Uh, but Hassan's the same way. He brings that same energy, same same just every day. I mean, he's on the video game all the time. So we play and he's the same dude Monday through Sunday. You know, and I think that's outside of his abilities on the floor, which we've seen, you know, he's a plus whatever when he's out there. Like we, we see that and that's all in the stats. But, you know, you look at just him as, as, as going out there and just saying that he sees this, he sees that he knows the game, but he's also fun, you know, and it, create, it continues to have that vibe because there are times when the game doesn't get fun, you know, when the season isn't fun, you know, it's, it's, it's tiring. It's, it's, it's rigorous. But when you have a guy like that in the locker room, it keeps everything light, continues to have a positive mindset and makes jokes about things that, you know, necessarily, you know, may, may get on your nerves. Like, man, like, you know, it's, it's, we're not getting foul calls, you know, but he'll come in and be like, man, like, we ain't getting, you know, and everybody's last, and then we get over and move on to the next thing. You need a guy like that in the locker room, and it's great to have him uh, on the team. Donovan Mitchell, huge night, 36 points, six assists, eight rebounds from Donovan. Uh, the Jazz uh, now have the night off. They're back in action tomorrow night. They're on the road in Atlanta tra- taking on Trey Young and the Hawks. A game will tip off at 5.30. Pre-game coverage begins at 4.30. All right, that's the Jazz postgame coming up next. Well, of course, we'll discuss that big win and what's trending. We've got a World Series winner for sure. Also, did you see who the Jets hired on their staff? Wow. BYU quarterback connection running deep, that's for sure. College football playoff is out. Cougars get respect. Cincinnati does it, does not get respect. We'll hit all of that in what's trending and throughout the morning. Stay with us. 7 o'clock hours coming up, 97.5, 1280 The Zone.